You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Amen. Wow. Amazing times of worship. Thank you for being worshipers. Thank you for going after the Lord. Um, Those who have been here for a long time, those who are new with us, we're all in this together, going after Jesus, and so thankful for all of you. This uh, Wednesday, we kicked off midweek prayer, and it was an amazing atmosphere, an amazing turnout, as well as people. Uh, Thank you, those that joined us in person, those that joined us online. Amazing time of seeking the Lord, kicking off this new season of prayer. We prayed for revival in our city. And uh, the Lord brought the breakthrough quick because of the game yesterday. I mean, we, we won, and so just like that, revival is here, seven years in the, in the making, and uh, so, so thankful for that victory yesterday. I just see that through a spiritual lens, I guess. Um, that's a joke, okay, okay. It's all good. We can, we can, we can have a good time in the house of the Lord. Um, with love, just to give my little... Emphasis on the launch of this creative team. We are kicking this creative team off because of something the Lord spoke to my heart. I had actually been kind of burnt out after 10 years of ministry with a rat race of kind of marketing and use of media in the church that had kind of left a foul taste in my mouth where it seemed as though media had been used in a way that almost like cheapens the work of God to just kind of get people to come into seats, to come to an event, to, uh, it just felt very desperate within the church. And uh, so I started wrestling through, like, what is the role of media in the church? And as I encourage you all to do, I asked the Lord that question. Lord, what is the role of media in the church in this modern age? You know, should we just forego it altogether? Should we embrace it fully? Should we, you know, should we embrace it the way the world does? Or should we, is there some other way to view it? The Lord is so good when we ask him with sincere hearts, sincere questions like that. And he didn't give me an answer in the moment, but a couple weeks later, he surprised, attacked me. And as I was reading through the book of Jeremiah, and I came to Jeremiah 31, and it said, it said there, the Lord raised up the spirits of the king, the kings of the land of media. And I said, what? The land of media? I didn't know that existed. <laughs> and obviously the Lord's not talking about modern media, but my, my interest was piqued. And in Jeremiah chapter 51, it talks about how the Lord raised up the spirits of these foreign kings to bring judgment against Babylon. And Babylon, you know, was the, like the, the antithesis of the Lord's working. And uh, it was ultimately judgment against God's people. And so the Lord brought vengeance against Babylon to restore his glory in Jerusalem and restore his glory in Israel. So the Lord raised up the spirits of the kings of the land of Media to bring judgment against Babylon for what? To restore his glory in Jerusalem. And it began to click. Ah, the Lord can use the spirits of the kings of this age to bring judgment against the ways of this world and restore his glory on the earth. And so I I really, this faith was just sparked in my heart to see media used for the glory of God. So this creative team, the launch of this creative team is not to market our church. It's not to promote events of this church. It's to point people to Jesus. And so we're not gonna be, we're not gonna be building our brand. We're gonna be pointing people and generously giving away the, the message of Jesus and exporting the beauty of Jesus across our region, which I believe Central Iowa needs a beautiful expression of that. And on top of that, I believe we have here in this house uh, an army of people that can creatively do that. 
in a, in a, in a specific way. And there's a couple songs this morning that were written from this house, not because uh, Scott sat down and said, I need to write a song, but rather it was in the place of worship. Worshippers began to just express their hearts to the Lord and out of that came a song. And so very likewise with photography, videography, I believe there's an expression of worship to the Lord, capturing what he is like, who he is, that I believe will be exported across our region, will bless our city. And so that's the, that's the heart. So whether it's, th- this creative team will happen since the Lord so clearly led me um, and whether it's an arm, whether we start with an army of five or fifty, we're starting it, and it's going to be awesome. So those interested, gather in the conference room after the service this morning. Also, just to tag on to, to Pastor Alex, come early next week. This will be a packed house, so come early with Dr. Brown coming. I just know that even talking to pastoral friends of mine, uh, people will be coming from uh, miles away to come and join us. So come early. Uh, doors will open at 9.40 next Sunday morning and next uh, Sunday night come early as well. Or sorry, next Saturday night. Saturday night, Saturday night, Saturday night. Uh, come, uh, if you come Sunday night, yeah, there won't be any, you can have a prayer service and it'll be awesome. The Lord will touch you. Uh, open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter one. 2 Corinthians chapter one, I wanna share a message with you. The Lord is our yes and amen. Jesus is our yes and Amen. He has revealed himself as the the affirmation of heaven over humanity. He is our yes and amen. Revelations chapter three, you don't have to turn there, it'll be on the screen. Jesus himself, as he's about to correct and rebuke the church in Laodicea, he gives himself this title. He says to the angel of the church in Laodicea, right, the words of the amen the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Jesus calls himself the amen, the faithful and true witness. We can have confidence in who Jesus has revealed himself to be and who God is because of who he's revealed himself to be in the person of Jesus. He is our yes and amen. He is the affirmation of the Father towards us. That word amen is is really interesting because through all the different translations and scholars that that word has made it into the hands of, made it into the eyes of, no one has yet to translate it from its original Hebrew. That word amen is Hebrew, it's, it's Semitic. It's a Semitic word that's just stood the test of time from translations from, from Greek and Hebrew to, to English, there it is, there it sits in its Hebrew form, amen. As we say it, amen. Because it's, it's a hard word to translate. It is Hebrew affirmation. Jesus would say, amen, amen, truly, truly. It can also mean truly or let it be. Jesus here calls himself the great amen of heaven, the faithful and true witness, the one we can be confident in. And Paul uses similar language to describe Jesus in 2 Corinthians chapter one. I I had this picture in my mind as a child we lived in a split level house and I would oftentimes slowly make my way up these stairs as I was kind of working up the courage to go to my parents and ask them permission to do something. Oftentimes it was, you know, the request of whether I could hang out with my crush, my childhood crush, who is now my wife, Tanya. I was working up the courage to go up the stairs and just ask my parents if we could hang out with her or if I had some other crazy idea. And I'd work my courage up as I went up the stairs, because I knew that idea lived or died on my parents, yay or nay, on their yes or their no. 
on their affirmation or whether they would, they would shut it down. Everything lived or died on that one thing. And so it is before the Lord. Everything lives or dies by his yes or his no. And so what is the verdict? Well, the verdict was, was put to rest in the person of Jesus. It can be concretely known because of who God has revealed himself to be in the person of Jesus as the great yes over humanity. The Lord's verdict was made clear to us. He says, yes, come near. Hebrews chapter four, the writer of Hebrews says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. So we walk up the proverbial stairs, working up our courage to come before the Lord to wonder if he's gonna say yes or no. And Jesus this morning is declaring to us with fresh revelation, his affirmation, yes, come near child, come near. He is our yes and amen. Now let me be clear, I'm not saying that God is like a big genie upstairs that will give us whatever we want and is looking to say yes to whatever we want. I'm talking about coming before the Father. You can always know the Lord is affirming that, to come to, and, and be before a holy God, be before um, God himself. Jesus is the declaration, the revelation to all of humanity. Yes, come near. Second Corinthians chapter one, Paul says that very thing. He says, for our boast is this, verse, this is starting in verse 12, for our boast is this, and Paul, Paul is speaking on behalf of himself and Timothy and Titus, like his little you know, cohort of, his band of uh, leaders in, in the church. This is our boast, the testimony of our conscience, like the personal testimony of our right standing, our assurance before the Lord, that we have behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God and supremely so toward you. Paul lived with this sense of uh, knowing the, the faith that he had encountered in Jesus was sincere. It was 100%, there was integrity to it. When he put his head on his pillow at night, he knew the sincerity, the assurance of the, what he had encountered in the person of Jesus. For we are not, verse 13, for we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand, and I hope you will fully understand. This church in Corinth was dear to Paul's heart. He spent 18 months here in the church in Corinth. And so he had discipled so many of these people himself or been in the trenches, helping them get firmly grounded in their doctrine and so he's, he says that there's a consistency in the revelation of Jesus that I am imparting to you, that I imparted to you before and that I'm still imparting to you now. Verse 14, just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. Verse 15, because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. I pray that that verse stokes a hunger in your heart for what you Received as salvation is not the end all be all. It only opened up the door to experience, daily experience of the grace of God. He 
he set in motion here in this verse an invitation for you to come and experience grace again. Verse 16, I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Did I, did I hesitate in that when I, when I said I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? People were beginning to question Paul's flakiness, his integrity. There were lots of other leaders in Corinth. Corinth was like commercial hub. So there were all these other voices trying to distract the people and get people to follow them and, and say Paul didn't have it all right. Paul is pointing them to the testimony of Jesus in his life and in his ministry. He's not pointing people to himself. He does that, you know, he, he does that in both the letters, First and Second Corinthians. He dissuades people from just being followers of Paul. He's pointing them to the testimony of Jesus in his life that has been consistent. Verse 18, as surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we've proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. Their word is sure. And why is their word sure? Like why can the people in Corinth rest assured that when Paul says yes, he means yes? It's because of who Paul has encountered. Verse 20, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it's God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. There's so much in this passage that I wanna unpack this morning. Paul's testimony, and this I pray, is the testimony of each one of us in the house this morning. Each one of us that are part of this church family, I pray that our testimony would be a firm and confident yes to the Lord daily because of who God has revealed himself to be to us in the person of Jesus as our yes and amen. Jesus is the yes from the Father. And when that hits our heart, it does something to us and it calls us to respond to him clearly and confidently and boldly like a child. So let's unpack this. There's a, there's a number of things that I want us to go back and just capture First is, in this response of passionate, childlike yes, to the yes, capital Y himself, the, the amen, the faithful and true witness. We first, we say yes in simplicity. Paul says that. As he's talking to them in verse 12 about the integrity of his conscience. That what he knows he encountered in the person of Jesus on the, the, on the road to Damascus still sits with him with a, a conviction of reality day in and day out. That has not become a fairy tale or a, a faint memory or a dreamlike memory. For Paul, that is reality, a living reality. And in fact, that encounter from the very beginning has fed him on a daily basis to live with a renewed simplicity. And simplicity in the Lord is a gift. It's a gift upon your life to remain childlike before the Lord, to be a child of God in simplicity before him, first and foremost. It's in the place of simplicity that life becomes clear. And so we say yes to the yes himself in simplicity. 
There's power in our yes. We can think and start to analyze and we can get all twisted around our, on our heads as to why we cannot respond to the Lord. But there's something so beautiful about the simple yes that quickly responds. That says yes in simplicity. If we feel that our day-to-day life is complex, then can I tell you we're doing Christianity wrong. The true Christian life should be one of simplicity. I don't say that with condemnation or, or shame. I say that as an invitation. There's an invitation in the gospel for simplicity, for us to give God our simple yes. And if we don't have more than that, don't worry about that at this point. Just give him your yes. Say, yes, Lord, you've revealed yourself to me as the faithful and true witness, as the yes from the Father. So I give you my yes in return. It's simple, it's beautiful. We can live with a freedom in Jesus by giving him our simple yes, a yes in simplicity. We are not bound to the systems of this world. And I get it. We live, in the, we live in the context of the systems of this world Monday through Saturday. In the context of community on Sunday mornings, it feels otherworldly. It feels like it's a glimpse of heaven. And then Monday through Saturday, we're, we're met with the, the, this encounter with the systems of this world. But we're not bound to that. And every single day, we're given an invitation to respond with our simple yes, a childlike yes, an affirmation to the Lord of trust. Eric Eric Gilmore said it like this, that once you leave simplicity, you leave the person of Jesus. So when you feel yourself beginning to get bogged down with complexities and nuances of life and these tensions, look back to Jesus. It's fulfilled in him. He is the amen, the affirmation of heaven over your life. John Wesley said, simplicity is loving intent on Jesus alone, seeking no other person or thing. So because God gave us his affirmative yes in Jesus, our testimony is simplicity. It's sincerity. Secondly, we say yes in grace. Verse 12 It says it's not by earthly wisdom that we live out this faith and simplicity, but it's by grace. It's by the grace of God. Later in verse 15, he says, I invite you, or he says, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have a second experience of grace. There is this gift of God awaiting you every single day. It met you on your day of salvation when you became born again, and it's waiting there for you every single day. And when we respond to the Lord with this grace, or with with this yes, that is grace. Our yes is, is always a response to the Lord's kindness towards us. It is a free will response, but it's only because of the desire of the Lord to woo our hearts with his love. Therefore, when we say yes, it's a response to his grace. His grace is waiting there for you every single day. His mercies are new every single morning. Madame Guyon, Guyon who was a um, saint in the church in the 1600s, really 
the, the, the French government considered her a revolutionary so much that she ended her life in prison for her writings on the gospel. But she said this, that the Lord is more present to you than you are to yourself. He is the greatest, this is not her quote, he is the greatest reality over your life. But then she goes on to say, furthermore, his desire to you himself, his desire to give himself to you, I can't even write, read my own handwriting. His desire to himself, to you, his desire to give himself to you is greater than your desire to lay hold of him. His grace is there waiting for you every single day. And his desire for you is greater than your desire for him. So our response in yes is, a, is, is really a response always to his, his initiation in grace. We say yes in grace. Thirdly, we say yes in obedience. This is where the rubber meets the road, where we allow our yes to become faith in action. Verse 18 he says, as surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. There has been a follow through on our words that when we say yes, there's gonna be action to that yes. That's what Paul says and that's his testimony. That's been, it. That's been his, the conviction of his ministry is that he is a man of his word. And so it is as a testimony, as children of God, we say yes in obedience. Our yes to the yes and amen cannot just be words. It has to be a yes in action. It's faith without actions is dead. So it is. Our yes is done also in obedience. And this is the, the testimony of growing with the Lord every single day. We say yes with childlike simplicity. And as we say yes in childlike simplicity, I guarantee you'll be given an opportunity very soon to see that yes tested. Very, very soon, and that's the goodness of the Lord to test us and refine our faith. I remember a number of years ago, my wife and I were living in Seattle as, as newlyweds. The Lord had allowed us to, to host this beautiful group of young adults in our home, many of whom had just encountered the Lord and just gotten saved. And we were just living our lives with them. But there's one individual specifically. His name was Kalen. And Kalen was this precious precious young man of God that had freshly encountered the Lord. And I was there at the altar with him when, as he surrendered his life to the Lord one Sunday night. And he made his way into our home group. But, but, but Kalen, like, like many men in this modern age, had grown accustomed to being addicted to pornography. And so as that came out in just our conversations, in the, the gentle also conviction of the Holy Spirit. We had these conversations about the Lord's best for his life. Not the spirit of condemnation, but in a spirit of turning the Lord's, or turning his heart towards the Lord's best for his life and trusting the Lord in that area of his own purity and his own, uh, the Lord's sexual, or the Lord's intentions for his sexuality. So, so he gave the Lord his simple yes with that. But that, that yes is, is going to be tested and it was for him as well. And so I talked to him about dealing with sin with a sense of urgency and severity and how Jesus talked about how it's, it's better to, to enter into to heaven with, without one eye, to pluck your eye out and to enter into heaven with one eye than it, is to, than it is to do otherwise. Or it's better to cut off your hand than to continue in sin. 
And Jesus isn't being literal there. He's using this extreme language to talk about how severely we should deal with sin and how those, these things really do matter in the light of eternity. I talked to, to Kalen about this and he knew what that meant. He knew it meant he was gonna have to make some hard decisions about the things that he gave himself access to. And this was in a prior generation when it was harder to access the internet. So he had one of those little USB things that made it possible for his device to connect to the internet. So now, now everything connects to the internet, but that was in a different age. So he knew it meant he needed to give up his access, his, at least his easy access to the internet. In that moment, we had that heart-to-heart in a coffee shop. He's, he couldn't do it. He gave the Lord his verbal yes, but in terms of his actions, he couldn't do it. But it's the grace of God to always continue to, to hound us and wound our, or woo our hearts. And that's what he did in Kalen's life as well. That the following Thursday, as we had our, our small group in our, in our home, he came early. He texted me, he asked if he could come early. And he came early with his little USB Wi-Fi thing in his hand. He said, Drew, the Lord's been dealing my heart. And, and I, I, w- I want there to be, I, I want in, I want in on this. And he handed me his, his uh, Wi-Fi adapter as a marker of obedience to his, you know, obedience that's in line with his yes. A beautiful testimony of our yes in action, of our yes in obedience. And that's the Lord's heart for all of us, is that there would be an obedience that follows our yes. We would give him our childlike simple yes, but there would be action that follows. Fourthly, we say yes in faith. We say yes in simplicity, we say yes in grace, we say yes in obedience, we say, we say yes in faith. As the Lord has revealed himself as the affirmation of heaven, the yes from the Father, we say yes in faith, meaning sometimes our yes will not make sense. Verse 19 says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. When you're beginning to doubt, when life doesn't make sense, you look back to Jesus and your faith is established in him alone. But the reality is our faith will not always make logical sense. But rather we give our yes to Jesus. He's made himself so clear to the eyes of our heart. So we say yes once again. Faith is this gift of God, a gift of grace to see the beauty of Jesus and respond. John Newton said that this is faith, a renouncing of everything we apt to call our own and relying wholly upon the blood, righteousness, and intercession of Jesus. So this yes in faith especially to the people around you, the people who knew the, the former you, this yes in faith will look illogical. It'll look kind of foolish at times. It won't make a whole lot of sense. It'll, it'll look like Peter getting out of the boat. It's like, I've never seen that before. I feel like that defies the law, the natural laws. I mean, it's just, that's not the way things work. And you know, you have those friends in your life who are trying to speak some wisdom into your life. Well, sometimes faith defies those sorts of natural ways of wisdom. And it looks like you stepping out of the boat. But that's us saying yes in faith. Jesus has has revealed himself to us as the amen, capital A, 
and we say yes in faith. Fifthly, we say yes in worship. Worship is God's grace to love him for who he is. In verse 20, you see this erupt in Paul's heart. He says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. You know, Paul in this entire passage, these 10 verses, he's trying to establish the validity of his ministry in the church in Corinth. But as he speaks of his own testimony and conviction and the realities of these things in his life, he can't help but talk about those things for very long before it erupts in worship in his own heart. He says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. Capital Y. He is the yes. He is the amen. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. We say yes in worship. That's why, as I said earlier, everybody is called to be a worshiper. Worship is not just for the musically inclined or those that have musical preferences that align with the songs that we're singing currently. Worship is the call upon every single follower of Jesus to love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Worship is our love-filled response of yes. If there's one word that captures worship, it's yes. It's saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I don't have anything else to say, but yes, Lord. I'm responding to your affirmation over my life. I'm gonna invite Scott just to come to the keys. More than anything, worship isn't about how we feel, although that's oftentimes what we have to overcome, especially as we gather on Sundays or even as you spend time with the Lord worshiping him on Monday morning. We have to get over how we feel in that moment and give the Lord our beautiful yes, and he'll meet you there. Your eyes will be open to see him in new ways. There'll be a a fire kindled in your heart to know him to be true. And it's this reciprocated yes to the Lord. I had a powerful experience with the Lord when I was just 13 years old. And I like to reiterate that you know, I didn't grow up in a pastor's home, okay? So this is not some um, thing that's reserved for the, like the spiritual elite or something. I grew up in a common home, actually a broken home. But the Lord encountered me in my middle school years in such a significant way that I I had to give him my yes. And I tracked down my mom's old 12-string guitar, her Suzuki 12-string guitar that she had left. My mom who had passed away, she had left her guitar back and I, I dusted it off, I pulled it out of the closet and I just began to strum these songs that I had heard in church. I began to strum them, strum them to the Lord. I actually began to write my own songs to the Lord. I just be, became a fool in worship in the Lord, for the Lord in my, own, in my own little room. It was in that place that the Lord birthed in me this heart of worship that's not about a stage or a performance or leading people. It's just a heart for him. Worship is the the song of heaven for all of eternity. That's what we will be doing in heaven is looking at him and the thing that will erupt from our very being, our eternal being will be this yes. It'll be this, this cry that says amen to the true one, the holy one, to Jesus for all of eternity. And that's what erupt from Paul's heart here. 
And finally, lastly, we say yes through life with the Holy Spirit, through living daily relationship with Holy Spirit, which is available to every single person in this place. Actual relationship with God. That's not just reserved for heaven to come, but actually God has given his spirit to live life with us. He has not left you as an orphan. And Paul says that in verse 22, the one who has, or verse 21 and 22, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us, who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. It's life in the spirit. It's life with Holy Spirit that allows us to say yes every single day. You have this companion and friend, his name is Holy Spirit, who nudges you and counsels you and and comforts you in this way to say yes to the Lord. And we say yes through this friendship with Holy Spirit. I want us to respond to the Lord. There would be... Yeah, no other thing that we should do if we hear a message on responding to the yes of heaven. If you'd all stand to your feet. I want us to respond to the Lord. The Lord is pursuing us. And every day we're given an invitation to respond, to give him our yes. He's been there all along and he's waiting for us. Will we respond to him? Will we give him our yes? I was recently reminded of a a testimony of a friend of mine at a season in her life when she had just come back to the Lord. She had just encountered Jesus afresh. And over the years prior, life had been really hard on her. In fact, her husband had left her. She felt so abandoned and rejected and alone. And one day, As a fresh new believer, she had this encounter with Jesus. And Jesus spoke to her in his gentle way, his fatherly way, and said, you know, if if your husband came back and and said, you know, I'll take you back or I'll come back to you if you'll leave this Jesus, would you still choose me? That was the, the gentle prodding of Jesus himself in that encounter. There was this sense of hesitation in our heart as is any human response would be, if we're being honest. We all want to be loved. We all want to be liked. None of us want rejection. Rejection is so painful. But there was this conviction that rose up in her heart that knew that this kind, gentle one, Jesus himself, the yes and amen, has never left her and never will. And so once again that day, she gave Jesus her yes. She said, I choose you, Jesus. Regardless of what comes in the future, I choose you. I give you my yes. And that's our response to the Lord. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.